Welcome to the Elevate Podcast. I'm your host and coach, Tyler Johnson. Thank you for tuning in. If you are a return listener, I'd be grateful for your rating or review. And if you dig this episode, give us a like or share. And now, whether you've tuned in to elevate your mindset, your game, or just your day, you are in the right place. My guest this episode is a former collegiate football player as well. He is now a speaker, an author, and a performance psychology consultant and coach. He's also served as a chaplain for MLB and NCAA football teams across the country. You can hear him and find him on the All Things Performance podcast. Welcome to the Elevate podcast, Josiah Igano. How you doing, man? How you doing? I'm doing well. Enjoyed just kind of getting to chat with you here a little bit before we hit record. Um, I was just kind of telling you a little bit about my journey. I, I'd love to hear and share with our listeners uh, a little bit about your journey. I know you're kind of talking about football player guy and love to hear kind of your journey from being an athlete to really the mental performance and psychology work you do now. Yeah, no, uh, the, again, thank you for having me so much on your podcast, Tyler. It's, uh, it's great to see other people in the space contributing and just kind of giving back, you know what I'm saying, uh, setting, the, setting the stage platform for giving back. I think it's huge. When I was playing ball, I never had access to information like this. And so, yeah, just a little bit about my journey. Uh, grew up in the south side of Phoenix, you know. Uh, I love football, man. My, my brothers and I, we play football coming up. Those were my first teammates. My dad always had football on in the house uh, and we just loved it, you know, fell in love with the game, you know, uh, and just uh, I got the opportunity. Three of my four brothers played ball in college. Um, I got the opportunity to walk on at Arizona State University um, and, and, and contribute to what we had going on there. You know, much thanks to uh, the late Bruce Snyder for giving me an opportunity. That's where it all started for me, man. And, and I look at what I do now and those were some of the seminal stages of you know, my career. And so when I was finished playing ball, uh, I played my last year at Northern Arizona. When I was finished playing football, my mission statement became that I wanted to challenge athletes mentally. I wanted to train them physically and I wanted to encourage them spiritually. So I have been in, I've been blessed to be in many different situations whereby, you know, I've, I've trained athletes in, in the gym, you know what I'm saying? Of all backgrounds, NFL, uh, NCAA, Major League Baseball. Uh, I've been a chaplain uh, in Major League Baseball, NCAA, NFL. Uh, and I've also now uh, embarked on the, the, uh, the, the mental performance piece. And uh, when I was finished playing ball in college, I said, I'm never going back to school. I said, I'm never going back to school. You know what I'm saying? I'm done. I got my bachelor's. I'm good. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I was like, I, I'm out of here. You know what I mean? And so but but as you asked me this question, and then you talk about the the, the journey, uh, when I started looking around the room and I started looking at my mission statement, I understood very quickly that I had to go back and become more, and I had to go back and, and really earn the right to 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 speak to these high level performers and impact you know an industry. And so that's a little bit about my journey. Worked ten years in professional baseball, three years at the big league level um strength coach performance psychology practitioner chaplain and i've loved every minute of it man yeah i know doing a, a little look on your linkedin you have a, a you know that weight room and, and some of that you know strength performance and training kind of background and spend some time in there how do you 
correlate, especially at that high level, just how much, you know, supplementing mental training can, can help our physical training? Yeah, that's a great question. And one, one of the things that you will learn very quickly is that, and I tell my athletes this all the time, there is not one mental skills program. There is not one mental performance program that is ever going to replace physical training, physical conditioning, not one. Uh, that's actually rooted in, in, in the literature as well as it, as it relates to building competence. There's not one. And so what happens is, you know, you as an athlete, especially as an elite level athlete, you have to be in prime shape. However, I, I hit you with the however, you know what I'm saying? However, the mind is the one that sets the precedent and the body always follows. So even though I started off by saying there's not one mental performance program that can ever take the place of a, a physical routine, a performance routine, the, the body always follows the mind, man. You know what I'm saying? And so yeah. when, you're, uh, when your mindset is strong, uh, the, the body has a way of just falling into space or into place rather. Uh, and when you're committed to the, 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 uh, the routines, the regimens, that are going to get your body strong, it's only going to fortify what you already know, what you already believe in how you think. And so the two work hand in hand. Love it. I kind of think sometimes like you're, you know, that the mindset's your bow and your body's that arrow. Yes. Right? A little bit. And with that alignment of where that bow, the bow's low, we're going to shoot low. But yeah. Just in a simplistic, simplistic form. Um, it, your time in the major leagues, you, get a, you mentioned being around some you know, top athletes, these top physical shape people. It, was there a lesson in leadership or mental skills that maybe you observed or learned um, for an athlete or coach in your time? Uh, yeah, you know, I, I was blessed to be around a lot of different high-level performers. And when you start talking about, you know, skills, right, mental skills, mental skills, I think, has a many people broad brush the term, but what is a skill? A skill is some type of inherent ability, right, to produce a said outcome. You know, and 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 many, much many of the times, those abilities are trainable. Uh, you can elicit some type of gain. So, if I want to become a public speaker, if I want to become a carpenter, I need to develop my skills to elicit some type of gain. And when we start talking about mental, the mental side, all of those players, man, all of them have something that they do. Whether, and this is the, the, the interesting thing about it, Tyler, is that whether they know it or not, right, many athletes are using mental skills. They don't even know it. They don't even know it, you know. And so um, but just being around all of those athletes, I think one of the biggest things I've taken away is that everyone has – something special when it comes to leadership i am of the of the opinion that everyone has inherent leadership capabilities and qualities everyone does yeah. not everybody can be a leading neurosurgeon not everyone can can be a cy young winner not everyone can be a leading lawyer teacher doctor fill in the blank but you have something and that something is your responsibility to 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 to, to develop and when you develop it it's your responsibility to give it away Right. Uh, and that's I think that's contrarian, but that's how I look at leadership. And when you start when you start doing that and you, you sit at life's table, man, you, you are going to be a blessing to so many people. And that is leadership. I, I don't you know, 
leadership, you go on, you go on Google right now, you get billions of hits within half a second because everybody wants to be led. Everybody loves platform. Everybody loves uh, to have something to say. But when you start talking about leadership, I believe that leadership is inherent in everyone. We all lead different ways, but it's our responsibility to develop that leadership and give it away. And that's how you become great. And that's one of the things I've learned from just working with all kinds of major league players, whether they've been from the Dominican Republic, you know, from Nebraska, New York, or, you know, Southern California, they all do it differently. Um, one of the things I heard you say on a podcast, I remember writing it down because I just, it just hit my ears as beautiful. Um, and you're talking about self-talk. And I think we, we're wired for this negativity with our, our active thought process, the social media, society images, and all the things we get bombarded with. And you talked and you said this line that said, your voice is the most powerful voice. Can, can you talk a little bit more about why our voice is the most powerful voice in what seems to be such a noisy world? Absolutely. I think, I think it has uh, multiple explanations. And so for those who are, who want some of the, the, the scientific stuff, I'll give it to you real quick. So your auditory system is very powerful, right? Um, there are many systems that work in our body, but when you start talking about your voice, anytime you say something, you know, if it's negative, if it's positive, you are, you are supplying your brain with inputs, which is going to inform your body of what to do. So when you start charging your limbic system, which is responsible for um, behavioral responses and you're always negative, oh, here we go again. Oh man, we got to face that dude. Oh, he's throwing cheese. Oh man, that dude's big. Oh, you know, when we start doing that, all of a sudden now our amygdala, which is highly responsible for fear, fear responses is now innervated. It's, it's charged up. And now we, we go into fight flight, like, oh, I need to protect myself. I need to defend myself. And now I'm playing defense instead of using the gifts that I have and the abilities that I have to attack and impose my will and to play offense. So your, your words, your words start activating neural processes and that's powerful, man. It's powerful. And at at the same token, right. You can use that for positive as well. Like, all right, here we go again. Hey, I'm blessed to have the opportunity to do this again. Hey guys, hey, we got an opportunity to be great right here. We can cement our legacy. We can go to the playoffs. We can win the championship. Let's go, huh? Huh? Right? Two totally different mentalities by using two totally different sets of words. And so your words become so powerful because chemically you you are giving your body inputs. You're giving your brain inputs, which is, is going to affect your body. It's going to affect your performance. So your voice is so powerful. It's so powerful. If you ever get a chance, go and uh, look up, uh, I think Dr. Loretta Bruning's work, uh, she's masterful as she starts to explain the different hormones and what they do and how dopamine is released, right? When people are gossiping or when people are cynical or when people are, are complaining because it makes us feel good, right? And it's, it's one of those things that's it's, it's contrary to popular, popular belief, but that's actually what happens. 
we start to feel good. That's why people, when they gossip, it just, it just brings a crowd. Oh, you heard about that? Well, hey, man, let me tell you about what he did two weeks ago. And, and it starts to build and build. And the same thing can be said for positive talk and positive thinking. And then when you start getting into it, Tyler, your words have serious, serious ramifications on your performance. Question, question do you when you talk about you know getting the dopamine release from gossip and, and those kind of things is it is it coming from the fact that we're included in learning something or is it the fact that because you could be gossiping about something that they did positively right yeah right like hey did you hear about so-and-so they won this award yeah yeah you, so like, is, is it more about that we're the people or is it more about what's being said I, yes, I'm going to hit you with a yes and. Sure. Yeah. Yes. And I will also say that uh, there's a level of predictability that happens as well, right? So when you say something like, oh, man, you know, we're about to miss this field goal. This is, this, is, this, is, this is outside of our kicker's range, and he's missed the last four in a row, dude. And our coach is putting him out there to kick it again. And you start saying that to your teammates – or you start saying that to yourself and then, and then your field goal kicker kicks it and misses all of a sudden, you know what happens internally? You're like, I told you so I knew it. I was right. So because I made an accurate prediction, my body says, good job. Good job. You actually predicted what was going to happen. Right. It's, it's, it's the team. It's man. I used to love the Buffalo bills, man. <laughs> Growing up, dude, I'm a Pittsburgh uh, Steelers fan, but I used to love the Buffalo Bills growing up, man. Uh, you know, and, yep. it, and it's the, oh, here we go again. Yeah. Right? And it's just like you start losing or, or things start happening during the course of the game, during the course of a performance, and you, we start making these negative predictions. And then well, as these predictions become fulfilled, your brain's saying, you, you called it. You were right. You were right. You were, you were right. And in the same fashion, to answer your question, when we're talking about something good, same thing. There's this sense of self-agency that, that we have that when we're correct, when we're right, it feels good. Yeah. If that answers your question. No, yeah. I, I, I'm just curious about the dynamics of, of that, how that plays off. Um, something else I, I, you pointed out on a different podcast and I, and I think it's something we, you know, when you work with athletes where you're continually, especially uh, emotion, anxiety, and all these things that can run rampant just during competition, before competition, you're talking about arousal regulation and really how so many of our skills are really for downgrading our regulation instead of upgrading our arousal. Can you talk a little bit more about that dynamic and why so many of our mental skills or, or training sometimes is about downgrading our arousal. Yeah. Many athletes, if you start, if you look at like the inverted U theory, catastrophe theory, you start studying some of that stuff in psychology, everyone has an optimal performance state, right? So your performance uh, usually mirrors uh, or is affected rather by your arousal state. Some people think about it. Think about this, right? Think about Michael Jordan in his prime, playing a high school uh, basketball All-American one-on-one. Michael Jordan's not going to sweat at all. He's not. He's, you got me playing this, this guy? He's not, right? 
But now all of a sudden, think about Michael Jordan flu game. We're throwing everything we can at you so that you can't perform. Now all of a sudden the stakes are a little bit higher, right? So everyone has like this, everyone has an optimal performance state. And if it's too low, it, it brings about apathy. It brings about boredom. If it's too high, you have a sense of anxiety, fear, nervousness, and you can't perform at a, at a good level. And so, as you stated, Tyler, the majority of the mental skills are, are to help us to downregulate, if you will, basically mean, meaning to help us calm down, to be able to be cohesive so that we don't let the, uh, the moment overwhelm us. And so when you start talking about progressive muscle relaxation, finding focal points, deep breathing, uh, all of these things that are in our wheelhouse as mental skills coaches to help our athletes with, the majority of mental skills are to help downregulate. There are a few times, however, where now I need to get up. I need to be charged up to be able to go into a big time situation. There's a, uh, there was a pitcher that I work with, uh, you know, and we were, we've been doing a lot of stuff uh, along these lines lately and he never knows when he's going to get the call. So he was typically like an, like a late inning guy, eighth inning guy. And what would happen was he was, he was pitching so well, that they're like, hey, we're going to bring you out for two innings. We're going to bring you out for eight and nine, right? So yeah. what was he doing? He was going out there, ah, throwing, throwing, you know, you know, throwing cheese, you know, for the eighth inning. And then you have to go and sit on ice for a whole half inning before you come out. So what we started doing, he had an issue of getting back up again to that psychological state. So we started working on things that were going to help him mental skills that were going to help him upregulate so that he was in that mental frame of mind after sitting for 15, 20, 25 minutes or more. Right. So again, the majority of mental skills are to help you calm down, but there are some times where you need mental skills to help you get up. Yep. I like that specific example because, you know, spend enough time in a ballpark, you see a reliever come out of the bullpen, there's an energy, right? Versus yeah. sometimes when they come out of the dugout. I think there's a difference. So just like, how do you have, you know, for a reliever, like, how do you bring that bullpen energy if you've got to, you know, after you have to sit? Absolutely. So I love Absolutely. That. It's a great, great observation and, and analogy that you kind of real world for you. Um, in the time in, you know, around different athletes, you know, we talked about, you know, the physical following the mental and there isn't one mental plan that's going to replace the physical. And I think often there's not, you know, one mental plan that works for everyone. Um, can you talk about maybe some of the unique factors maybe you see at the high level and then maybe some of the common denominators or unified factors you see with, you know, mental performance done well? <laughs> yeah, I think, First of all, anytime you design a program, right? Anytime you do as a strength coach, I understood this, you know, as a psychology practitioner, I had to learn this is that anytime that you design a program, you always want to start with the end in mind, right? It's very easy for a coach, for a parent, for a general manager, for, you know, any type of ancillary support system to say, man, this athlete is really talented. She's really good. He's really good. Um, this is what we got for you. Let me tell you something, buddy. Let me roll out your, let me roll out a program for you, buddy. This is going to help you be the best, you know, best ever. 
And that's one of the problems that a lot of staff members, those of us who work with athletes, that's one of the problems that I see as being very pervasive. At the end of the day, there's a couple of things that you have to get right. Number one, you always have to start with the end in mind. Anytime you build a program, what's the end goal? What do you want? I remember I used to come in, I used to, I used to be that guy. I was like, oh, I got something for you. That doesn't matter. The players don't care about that. But you know what was very powerful? Going into the beginning of a season and say, hey, what do you want to work on? And they'll tell you. They will tell you. And it's usually only like one or two things. Sure. I just want to work on my ability to focus. Oh, okay. I just want to be able to pitch in high-stress situations. Oh, okay. That's it? That's it, man. Wow. Okay. Right. All right. Now you've just given me the material that I need to create something excellent for you. You got to know where you're going. It's like, it's like going to an address that you've never been before and you don't have GPS. You, 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 you didn't plug it in. You think you know where it is, sure. but you didn't plug the address in. Yeah. And when you think you know what it is, guess what? It always takes you longer. Yeah. Always. Yeah. When, you, when you got the address, when they tell you what they want to work on, even if there's detours, even if there's bumps in the roads, you're still going to get there because it's what they want to work on. Right? So I think that's number one is that you, you, you have to always start with the end in mind. And, 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 I, and I think that it's one of those things where everyone's different. You have to honor and respect the fact that everybody is different. Everybody learns differently. I have, so I'll share some stuff with you. So to me, it's like, it's three T's, right? As a, as a performance psychology practitioner, my athletes want to do three, one of three things when I talk to them. They want to talk. Some of them just want to talk. One of my mentors told me a long time ago, he said, Josiah, he said, a listening ear has a, has a healing quality. I'll be in sessions with players, man, and they'll just talk. Whoa, whoa, they'll just talk. And then at the end, they're like, man, thanks. Thanks, Joe. And I'm like, thanks for what? I didn't do anything. All I did was listen. They're like, oh, man, thank you. Yeah. Right? So they want to talk. Sometimes it's tactics. We want to go over tactics. Yep. How do you do this? How do you do that? What should I do in this situation? What should I do in that situation? And then, and then many, much of the times it's teaching. It's me teaching them how to do certain things. Sure. And I think that you have to understand that because everybody's different, you need to know how they learn and what they need. Yeah. That's what, that's what has to happen. So um, everybody, to, to broad brush, I mean, these are just, you're talking about elite level talent that everyone's good. What you'll notice is that you have to understand what it is that they want be able to work backwards and understand how to apply it, teaching tactic, tactics, you know, um, or talking. And I will say this, you know, when you say universal, I think universally there are certain things that you can't violate. Like, and we don't need to get into it all on this podcast, but you have to be somebody that they trust, man. Sure. You, you got to be somebody that they trust. Uh, if the player doesn't trust you, good luck. Yeah. Good, good luck, man. Good luck. Just, uh, yeah, I think just from even a, uh, one thing I've always told coach, like you can, if you're trying to push or challenge someone as a coach, even not alone mental performance, but you can only push someone as far as they trust you. Right. Yeah. 
you know, and they, they won't, it's hard to, hard to get people beyond that zone without trust. Um, one last question we like to uh, ask down here as we start to wrap up, if you could wave a magic wand and every, every student athlete and coach listening wakes up tomorrow with a mental skill, what mental skill would they be waking up with tomorrow? Oh man. Oh man. It's your magic wand. So do what you want with this question. <laughs> man. So I'm going to cheat a little bit. All right. Okay. So when I, when I, first of all, that's a great question. When I was involved in the evaluation process with athletes, when I, when we would, you know, uh, draft athletes, there are a few things that if, if the athlete has this to me, I'm all in, I'm all in. Number one, the athlete has to have the ability to focus. If you cannot focus, you can't do anything else. You can't. The average individual can only focus on an inanimate object for about eight seconds before he or she loses interest and goes on to something else. Athlete has to be able to focus because if you cannot maintain focus, you cannot do anything for any extended amount of time true number two the athlete has to be hungry Mm. he or she has to have a pension a desire to learn you got to be you have to have a desire to learn and then number three right number three you have to be teachable if you have those three things no one will stop you you're unstoppable you're unstoppable because now i've created you've created this athlete who is focused and can lock in for long periods of time. This individual has a desire to learn. They're hungry and they're teachable. They're, they're humble. So when you put those three together, it's a perpetual cycle that lives forevermore within this athlete. That's why Kobe Bryant had an illustrious career for such a long time. Michael Jordan, illustrious career for such a long time. Steve Nash, the great, all the greats for a long time because of this white belt mentality that we're talking about here. Yeah. They were focused. They were hungry with the desire to learn and they were teachable. Keep teaching me. I want to keep learning. I want to keep learning. You got those three. You have, you have created an unstoppable athlete. I think every coach dreams of having a roster full of people like that. Right. Yeah. Um, can you talk about, I've heard you kind of, you know, when we having those three things, um, often a lot of times, maybe some of the top talent, top draft picks in sports, they've got talent, but they don't have all three of those things. And you see that kind of play out over time. Can you talk about really why, you know, develop, developing those three things at an early age can help us not only in sports, but beyond the field? Yeah, I mean, the, the, those things, and, and like you just said, right, when you develop them young, they help you beyond the field. They help, you, they help you beyond the field. And one of the things I will say to your question is that my dissertation, my background, I spent a lot of years studying mental toughness. Can you measure it? Can you quantify it? Right? So that's my area of expertise, and one of the things that I have found, Tyler, one of the things that I have found in, in research and even uh, the research that exists, but the research that I have done 
is that there is no direct correlation with age and mental toughness. In layman's terms, if you can, if a child can understand these concepts at a young age, he or she can use them for their advantage in perpetuity. So as long as a child understands these concepts that we're talking about, they can use it for the rest of their life. Sure. There's, no, there's no direct correlation. So that's why you have these, these success stories of these phenoms that are you know, young kids, high school kids, like even younger. And everybody's, oh my gosh, this, person, this kid's unstoppable. Oh my, because they've already, they've understood this concept. Yeah. And so I think that having systems, having people, practitioners, programs available to kids that teach this stuff is paramount. Because once a, a child can grasp this concept, they can use it for the rest of their life. No doubt. Um, last question. If I could get you into a time machine and send you to visit 16-year-old self and catch yourself in a parking lot after practice in high school and you got an opportunity to give yourself one piece of advice that you've learned along your magnificent journey. What would you tell 16 year old self? Oh man, that's a great question. Um, I, I would just say, I would just say, keep going, keep working hard. It's not going to be easy you're going to have a lot of bumps in the road, but just keep going because it's going to be worth it. Uh, that's what I, that's what I would tell. That's what I would tell myself. Um, I think that a lot of, especially kids these days, we've been so conditioned to highlight culture and, you know, microwave culture, like, Oh, I can get it whenever I, I want, you know, I can just go buy it. Amazon Prime it. We've been conditioned and it's, it's, it's actually working to the detriment of what success really looks like. And I, if I were to catch myself at my 16 year old self after practice, I would just tell him that like, Hey man, it's going to be tough, but you just got to keep going, keep doing the right thing, keep working hard because in the, in the end you will eventually reap a harvest. So that's what I would tell myself. Thank you for listening. If something caught your ear as useful or unique this episode, we would love your help spreading the Elevate message. You can find me on Instagram at Elevate Educate Rejuvenate. That's with the numeral instead of the A-T-E. Thank you again. And if I can help you with anything, please reach out. And don't forget, go elevate others.